Well, with the Lord's help, we turn back to Mark's Gospel and the fifth chapter. And looking at the whole of that section that we read together as far as verse 20. Mark 5, from the beginning to verse 20. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. So on. As we move on with the Lord and his footsteps, we come this week in our travels uh, to this region of the Gadarenes in what was known as the country of Decapolis or the district of Decapolis. Decapolis was not a Jewish region and even from its name uh, you can discern a Greek speaking bent to it. We have the Decalogue, we have a decade at word as 10. And Polis is a city, a metropolis, is a big city. So we have here the place of 10 cities. Decapolis was a place of 10 cities. And it was not a Jewish region, it was largely Greek speaking. And it was an area mostly to the east of the Jordan River. So if you can picture in your mind... Uh, the Sea of Galilee to the north, and then the River Jordan running southwards and coming to the Dead Sea. Well, if you go from the Sea of Galilee, or the eastern coast of the Sea of Galilee, about halfway down and across, and you right, run right down to about halfway down the River Jordan towards the Dead Sea and eastward, that region is Decapolis. There was a small portion of it that went westwards on the other side of the River Jordan, just south of the Sea of Galilee. But the vast majority of it, nine out of the ten cities of Decapolis, were on the eastern shores and side of uh, the River Jordan. And these uh, ten cities had bound themselves together for mutual protection and for trading purposes and were a recognised district now of the Roman Empire under a jurisdiction from Syria. And uh, as said, one city was west of the Jordan. That city was the city of Bethshan. Now, Bethshan had been, uh, at the time of uh, the entrance of Israel into the Promised Land, had been allocated to the tribe of Manasseh. But they had a great difficulty conquering Bethshan. And later in Old Testament history, it was on the walls of that city that, uh, by then a Philistine stronghold, of course, that the bodies of King Saul and his sons were fastened and from there rescued by and buried by the men of Jabesh Gilead. So most of the capitalists was on the other side of Jordan, on the eastern side. And we are thinking here about that eastern side of the Jordan. That's where the country of the Gadarenes was. South of the uh, Decapolis was the region of Perea, also on the eastern side of the River Jordan. Perea was mostly a Jewish area and was, if you like, sort of on a par with Galilee. It was Jewish but had a large, perhaps Greek speaking Gentile influence, but the Decapolis was almost entirely. Uh, Gentile. And uh, 
One of the ten cities that particularly has our attention here today, one of the ten cities of Decapolis, was the city of Gadara. And it is this place where Jesus famously heals the man possessed with devils who called themselves Legion, for we are many. So that is where we have arrived to, and we want to gather our thoughts today under four different headings of Jesus in this area. First of all, a place in need of Jesus. A place in need of Jesus. Jesus and his disciples had set out traveling eastwards on the Sea of Galilee. And there had been that great storm. And Jesus was woken by the disciples and stilled and calmed the storm. Peace be still. And then they had arrived on the eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee. On the borders of Decapolis. And they were particularly close to the Decapolis town of Gadara. But just as they are disembarking from the ship, a man is running towards them and encounters them. This man had seen Jesus and his disciples coming in the boat. It tells us that he had seen them afar off. Now that makes us wonder how much and how long had he been looking at this boat that was coming towards the coastline. Had he seen the fierce storm that had happened? Had he seen the boat tossed up and down? Was he waiting for it to be broken up and for the people aboard cast into the sea? And if he was, he would then have seen a sudden and supernatural calm descending and the wind disappearing and the waters instantly becoming flat calm. And then this boat arriving at the shore. We don't know if that's the case, but this man certainly had seen them afar off and had fixed his eyes upon Jesus and he ran with all speed toward him and falls down and we are told worships him. And Mark gives us then a little bit of the backstory of this character. We discover that he wasn't just in that sense a usual person. He lives among the tombs and in the mountains outside the city. He is possessed with an unclean spirit. And despite attempts of the people of Gadara to restrain him, to bind him, to fetter him, his evil spirit possession seems to have be leaving him with unnatural strength. And he cannot be bound. He breaks him in pieces every time. Presumably then this is a, a dangerous man, a man you would have been afraid of, a man in a dreadful condition in every way, physically and socially and of course spiritually. A man who lived a horrible life, a life of woe, a life of misery, a life of suffering, a life where he cried out day and night in the tombs, a life alone, war wailing, Harming himself, cutting himself with stones, cutting his own body. And Luke tells us in his account that he wore no clothes. And Matthew adds that no one either could or would dare to pass by. He would let no one pass. Whatever route it was, he was blocking outside the city. Nobody went that way. Or they were in danger of being set upon by him. And yet this man, and we presume because it's in Decapolis, or we can't be certain, there were some Jews here, we presume he was a Gentile man. This man sees Jesus afar off, and he runs towards him, 
And then we are told that he worships him. Verse 6. That's a strange sort of worship that this man gives. There's an acknowledgement, first of all, of Jesus, who he is. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? But the prayer that he offers in his worship is a prayer to be left alone. His prayer is, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. It's a strange sort of a worship. You can imagine the disciples seeing this strange character with cuts over his body, with no clothes, with a wild look in his eye, coming, running to Jesus. They had been quite anxious and hearing these words quite unnerved. So we get the picture here, I think, at this place where Jesus has brought the disciples to in the boat, it was a kind of place that was largely avoided by everyone else if they could. Everyone stayed far away from this man. And the town of Gadara, though it ignored this man, it was almost a hostage to him because they lived in fear of him. They no doubt had many dealings with him at times when they had sent out parties of men to restrain him and he had broken the bonds. His exceptional strength terrorized the city. And yet this is where Jesus brings the boat after the storm. So we can clearly see this is a place in need of Jesus. This region of the Middle East was very much under the darkness of the heel of Satan There was here one of the most egregious, awful examples of demon possession, even amongst the many of the New Testament. This was a multiple possession, legion, we are many. At the time of Christ, a Roman legion was down to about 600 men counted as a legion, as a legion. At one time, in the earlier days of the Roman Empire, a legion of men was 3,000 men. There would be additional to that. That would be footmen. In addition, there would be horsemen. Perhaps another 10% of the number would have been additional horsemen. But whatever the number was exactly, we are legion. This demon possession was of a great number. This poor, tormented wretch of a man had been possessed by many, many devils. So much so that when they were eventually cast out of him by the power of Jesus, they were enough to take possession of a whole herd of pigs, of swine. Verse 11 tells us it was a great herd of swine. And verse 13 numbers them as about 2,000. It was a place in need of Jesus. Decapolis and the region of Gadara, especially, it was a sin-sick place. A place where souls are tormented by evil and where the population are themselves terrorized by devils. And in that way, Gadara was a microcosm of the Gentile world at that time. There on the doorstep of Judea. On the doorstep of God's people there was this place. 
And such is the sad state of the world still without the grace of the gospel. It is in a poor condition. Never overestimate the pleasures and enjoyment of this world without God. Never imagine that this world can get on quite nicely without the Lord Jesus. It has become very fashionable today by the sociologists and the anthropologists and the academics to look at different cultures, primitive cultures perhaps, different areas, and to reconstruct a sort of utopian vision of heathenism and of heathen cultures before they were touched by the gospel. And the implication is that these primitive places were happy and people were content and everything was utopian. And they lived their little lives of ignorance, but it was a, a simpler time and all was well and everything was fair and it was all ruined by the imperialistic Western powers and especially Christian powers. And the truth is, friends, whatever the many, many flaws of our Western cultures, no culture is a happy culture without the Lord without God. No society is a good society. No society is a just society without the gospel. And our own culture, sadly, is racing at breakneck speed back towards its old paganism and back towards its old heathenism and godlessness. That was the state of the place. It was in dire need of Jesus And we can look around, friends, at our own culture and recognize much the same truth where we are. And yet Jesus came to their shores. And so secondly, it wasn't only a place in need of Jesus. It was then a place visited by Jesus. And oh, what a wonder and a difference that makes. Let us look now at the arrival of Jesus into the shores of Decapolis, from the other side, as it were. This devil man is watching what is happening. The devils that have possession of him, they know about Jesus. They know that he is Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. They knew long before that he had been born. Satan had tried to destroy him. They knew that his ministry had begun. Satan had tempted him in the wilderness. They knew what he has come for and what he is seeking to do. They know what his mission is. And they know that his ministry and his mission will seek to bring an invasion of grace to the Gentile nations of the world sooner or later. They don't know when, they don't know how, but they know that is on the agenda. They know that their territory is under threat. And they are on high alert. Legion is, as it were, standing on the ramparts of Satan's kingdom, right next to the promised land. And they are on the watch. And sure enough, here comes this boat. This boat that is miraculously delivered from a violent storm. And the devils know who this must be. And they rush the man down to the shoreline. 
adjuring Jesus, adjuring him to leave them alone, even identify him as indeed the Son of God, but asserting in the next breath that Jesus should have nothing to do with them, that he has no place in their territory, that he should head back across the Jordan. Matthew adds in the question in his account, Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? These are revealing words. Before the time. What are these devils doing? What is Legion doing? They are defending their territory. They are holding the front line against the invasion of the kingdom of heaven. That had been Jesus' message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king has come. And that was one matter when the kingdom of heaven was confining itself within the bounds of the people on the land of Israel. But here Jesus comes now across the river into Gentile territory. Now we have seen something of this before in our travels with the Lord. The Lord, first of all, preached extensively across Galilee. And then he went down to uh, Judea and round about Jerusalem and preached and did extensive miracles there so that all the people marveled and heard. And then he must needs pass through Samaria. But now he ventures not just to Samaria, but to openly Gentile territory. And a legion of enemy combatants confront him. It was like a detachment, if you like, of elite troops sent from imperial Hades. And this man, who refused, remember, to let anyone pass by him, he had now no intention of letting Jesus pass by either. He was going to stop him There on the shore, he ran down as Jesus was disembarking from the vessel. And his commission, if you like, was to hold the line and to prevent the encroachment of heaven's kingdom into the dominion of the darkness of Satan's domain. This was a front-line operation between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of Satan. And that's why the encounter is so significant and recorded in each of the synoptic gospels. It is the gospel itself now reaching out. It's an early foray of the good news of Jesus into what had been up until then the exclusive domain of Satan. So it was indeed a place visited by Jesus. And that visit was a visit of power. It was a visit of grace. A visit of long suffering. And a visit of mercy. And a visit of dominion. It was the king. The devils argue that Jesus is too early. Too soon. That he has no right to proselytize yet. That he has not yet won the right To evangelize the nations. He has not yet paid the ransom for the sins of the world. The time is not yet come, they argue. It was too early. And they knew that Jesus 
would mount his campaign against him. That wasn't a surprise that this was coming. They knew that was to be the fulfilling of the promise, even there in Genesis. And they had every intention, when the time came, of resisting it, and standing against it, and seeking to crush the nonsent kingdom of heaven, as it were. But here they are arguing that Jesus has not yet any right to come and even bring his message to their shores. This was their patch. But dear friends, how wonderful. This miserable place, Decapolis, and the region around the Gadara, this colony of hell on earth, was visited by the saviour of sinners. And legion or not, standing in his way, one or many, in his divine authority, he delivers this man from their tyranny and sends them out of him and into the swine. And oh, what a deliverance of grace and mercy it was for this man. This man that mothers would have warned their children. Now don't go out that gate. Don't go out that side of the city. Don't go near the tombs. Avoid the mountains. The man who is possessed is there. Keep far away. Run away from him if you see him. This man whose body was full of wounds inflicted by the stones he had used to cut himself. He had a hand in his own torments. This man who was the very embodiment of Satan's first line of defense against the kingdom of Jesus. He was, if you like, this poor wretch of a man was the base camp for a legion of devils. And yet Jesus visited him and delivered him And saved his soul and liberated his body and freed his mind and clothed his limbs. So that he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. It's a beautiful transformation. In these few words, oh what a liberation there was for this man clothed in his right mind. What a visitation for a wretched soul few things to mark before we move on. Despair of none. Dear Christian friend here, despair of no soul that you have ever yet met in this world. Write off no one. Whatever their spiritual condition may appear to be to you and to me, However much we think there is no saving that soul, the Saviour visited this man possessed of legion and delivered him. Despair of no one. If you are here yet unsaved, do not give in to the lies of Satan to despair of yourself. Do not do that. Also, never conceive of Satan's power in your own mind as if it is an equal but opposite power to God's. That sort of equality and balance of light and dark, that Eastern mystical thinking of yin and yang, no.
never ascribe to the devil an equal but evil power equivalent to God's. A legion of devils cannot resist the gracious saving power of Jesus Christ. They cannot. They must fall down and worship the Lord. Not out of grace and love in torment, but they must. Where grace comes in, the dominion of Satan must exit. No man can serve two masters. It must be one or the other. Either Christ is king or the devil is master. This is a place visited by Jesus. So we have here a foretaste then of the expansion of the kingdom of Christ. We see the power of Christ reaching out in saving power to this place. We see here the inability of a whole host of devils. Even in some sense, as they argued, before the time. We see their inability to resist the gospel saving this man's soul. We see the beginning of the crumbling of Satan's power over the nations of the world in a little microcosm in the country of the Gadarenes to the power Satan had to hold them in darkness to demand them as his. It is running through his fingers like dry sand. This was a place visited by Jesus. Now there is still the question in all that happens here in the delivering of this man. Why did Jesus grant the devil's permission to enter the swine? And we want to come to that in our third point then. Thirdly, a place that rejected Jesus. A place that rejected Jesus. The Lord granted <coughs> the demon's petition to enter into the swine. And I'm sure, like many of you, I have been perplexed at times over that recording of events. What is it all about? <coughs> and I confess I have felt that in reading it over, I was missing some of what was in the record here. And I want to draw your attention and notice, first of all, verse 10. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And this is very enlightening, I think, because verse 10 shows us that the primary desire of Legion was to remain in the country of the Gadarenes. They did not want, as it were, to be sent back to the pit of hell. They wanted to retain a place in the Gadarenes region. And they besought Jesus much over this. Why? Because they intended still to do all that they could to defend this territory from the advance of the gospel. They had no intention of giving up their place at all, even though in their pathetic position they have to seek the permission of Christ to allow it. They wickedly hope 
that in their petition he will not see their motive, that they will outmaneuver Jesus and they will retain an influence in that region, in the possession even of the swine. The nearby pigs, then, I think, are really a ploy, as it were, a way to leave the man, yes, but not the region. A way to remain there and continue their influence over the people. And then that leads to the question, then, then why on earth would Jesus ever grant the petition of a devil? Not just here, but ever. Why would he ever do what a devil asks? Well, the answer to that must be always and only because it serves his own purposes, his own higher purposes. He gives no grant or permission to the enemy to achieve any real advantage. He would never do that. Only where it serves his purposes, unbeknownst to the devil, will he permit what they may choose to ask. So what then is the purpose of Jesus in permitting them to enter into the pigs? Can we discern any higher purpose of Christ to advance his own cause? Well, we will see soon enough. These pigs, simple beasts of the creation, are tormented by the sudden invasion mysteriously into them of devils. And they hurl themselves in madness over the cliffs. And they fall in their thousands down to the waters below. And there they soon drown. The peasant pig herders would have been standing at some distance away, no doubt. Who had fed the beasts, then rush into the city and around the country to tell everyone what has happened to the great herd of swine. Notice what happens here. These observers do not rush into the city to tell everyone what happens when Jesus delivers the man from the devils. That is not what causes them to fly into the city. What caused them to fly into the city and tell is what happens to the pigs. It was the loss of the pigs and therefore their fortune and their income that brought the people of the city out to Jesus. It was the loss of the pigs that made all the people of the city into witnesses to the great power of Jesus in saving this man who had been legion. And they come out to find what has happened, uh, find out what has happened to their herd, but in doing so, all they see is the man delivered, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And so I would suggest to you that Jesus' permission in granting the devils to enter the swine serve this purpose of bringing out the people of that place en masse to be witnesses that it was Jesus who had delivered this man from the power of the devils. This notorious demoniac was delivered from the devil, the demon possession that he had endured, no doubt, for many years. 
And all of the people of the city became witnesses as he sat there clothed and in his right mind. And as their carcasses of their pigs were drowned down in the water. In other words, I think it was the mercy and the long-suffering and the kindness of Jesus Christ to draw out these people who were in the deep darkness of heathendom and superstition to come near to and witness something of the grace of God in a new convert. That is itself a great kindness. And some of you here, many of you here have known that, been witnesses to a new convert. And there is a kindness in the Lord having given you that position of standing by as a witness to it all. Now, kindness or not, as it were, these people all knew the power of this ex-demoniac. And so they're all the more afraid of a power that can overpower him. They had tried and failed. So when they see here this man sitting, they're not rejoicing in his deliverance. They are terrified. What power has overcome him now? A greater power even than was in him before. And they are afraid. And we read these sad, sad words there in verse 15. When they see him sitting and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. And then they're told what has happened in verse 16. And then the even sadder words of verse 17. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Notice what has happened here. Notice at what point do the people of the Gadarenes ask Jesus to leave? At what point do they reject him? After the devils are gone. Notice what is happening here. What has been displayed for us. It is a display of the heart of man. The natural man. There is no demon possession anymore. There is no demonic control. But even with legion gone and drowned as it were. Man does still not want Jesus. That is his natural position. He cannot blame anyone else for it. Never believe that man left to himself is either neutral or good. He is fallen and depraved. Never believe it is devils that made me do this bad thing or made me be a bad person. The devils here are gone. But the people still plead for Jesus to leave them alone. It's a revelation of what lies in the heart of man and what it is that the gospel alone can overcome. Friends, the sadness of that moment when the people come out and they plead with Jesus to leave. There were those devils, legion of devils, and for a long time they held sway over the people of this region. And they fought bitterly to hold on to their station, either in the man or in the swine, and to continue to dominate and control and keep these people from grace. But now, even with them gone, the heart of man still rejects Jesus. And Satan's kingdom seems as if it's going to be left intact after all. 
And Jesus and his disciples head back to the ship and get ready to go away. Before we get ahead of ourselves, consider again the rejection of Jesus that is here, because this rejection is a very solemn lesson. They can see the evidence of the power of Jesus with their own eyes. They have all felt fear at the power of Jesus in their hearts. They have all heard the witness and testimony of those who had seen it all happen with their own ears in verse 16. They could all see the loss of what 2,000 pigs would mean for their community. They could probably see the carcasses floating lifelessly down in the river and in the sea. So these are people who have lost their income, they have lost their wealth, it is suddenly taken from them, their security is now gone, their futures look bleak, they are far less certain of themselves than they used to be, things are all turned upside down, they don't know what is happening. And friends, how often has it been the case that when the Lord is working in someone's life and their providence is all all mixed up and all churning on the waves of this world, it is at times like that that the Lord has been unsettling a soul to draw it to himself. And maybe some of you here in your testimony would say, it was in crisis that I cried out to the Lord for mercy and for help. It has driven many people, hard providence, to their knees It has often opened the tongue of the needy to cry to the Lord for mercy. But here, and it is a heartbreaking moment, here it makes these people plead with Jesus to leave them alone and to go away. And sadly, that has often been the prayer too of those whose providence has been difficult. And they knew that they've been drawn to the Lord and they've prayed that the Lord would leave them alone. And what is even worse, friends, the Lord does go away. Have you ever pled with the Lord to leave you, to not save you, to give you a bit another year or another ten years? Now is not the time. What if he answers that prayer? Where will you be then? Here is a place that rejected Jesus. We have one final point to make, we must make, because it is a place persisted with by Jesus. Plenty of people seem to be making requests of Jesus that day. The devils asked to be sent into the swine, and Jesus agreed. The people asked for Jesus to leave them alone, and Jesus agreed. And then this delivered man, he came and he asked Jesus something. He asked if he would be allowed to go with Jesus in the boat and stay with him and learn from him. And that request, of all the requests of that day, that request was denied. And Jesus refuses permission for him to come with them. Jesus suffered him not. And that is a strange thing. 
It is remarkable. You would have thought that Jesus would refuse the unbeliever's request. He would refuse certainly the devil's request. But surely this brand new converted man, he would grant him his request. But no. Instead, what does Jesus do? Jesus commissioned the man to be his evangelist in the region. Despite being resisted by devils, despite being rejected by the men of the place, Jesus persisted with this region. Jesus was not going to abandon it so soon or give it up to devils. Instead, the Lord sends this man to bear witness for him in this place. And in this, Jesus is establishing the pattern for the advance of the gospel into the nations of the Gentile world, into the dominion of the power of the darkness. And we notice here, it will not be and was not to be in Gadara or anywhere else. It was not to be with the physical presence of Jesus himself leading the way that the Gentile nations would turn to him. It was not his own physical preaching. It was not his own personal direct power of a miracle. It would be mere emissaries, weak men, wretched men, those less than the least, those not worthy, who would be sent with his message. They were poor wretches converted to Christ, sent back to tell both of the power and the compassion of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 19. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Great things. The power and the compassion. The law and the gospel. Guilt and grace. Fear and love. And notice how widely this man takes his commission. He roves throughout the region until now. We have been confined to that one region of the Decapolis around about Gadara. But now this man traverses the whole region. He began to publish in Decapolis, in the whole area, how great things the Jesus had done for him. He brings the word of the mighty power of Jesus And also of his wonderful compassion for a poor wretch like him. Decapolis was soon set alight for the gospel. And was set to marveling at the words of this man. In fact, because they knew the words of Christ and had heeded his warning. When Christians in AD 70 saw the imminent fall of Jerusalem. It was to a city of Decapolis that they fled and found refuge. Friends, the long-suffering of Christ to those who may reject him at the first. Here is the first man commissioned in the New Testament to bring the good news of the gospel to the lands of darkness, to the lands of the Gentiles, to the people who never knew the covenant mercies of God. Here is the forerunner of Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles. Here is the first fruits of every missionary that was sent out around the world. 
Here is a prototype evangelist of those who came to our shores and to our land and to our island with the good news of the mercy of God from heaven through Jesus Christ the Lord. Here then is the man who began by the hand of Christ to reach out and from one hand to the next, one mouth to the next, the torch has passed on and has come to us. What was it that those who came to our shores when the gospel spoke of? The great power and compassion of Christ for sinners. And so the region of Decapolis was evangelized. Even though Jesus himself had now left, even though they'd asked him to go, it wasn't to be handed back to the devils and to legion again. The long-suffering of the Saviour was such that he refused to abandon these people and this place to devils. And oh, what mercy there is in our Saviour and our Lord. How many of us can testify personally to the long-suffering of God when we refused him Time and again, and he persisted. The persistence of the Saviour in Decapolis all these years ago, oh, that helps us today. It helps us as we look at our nation. And we know that the Lord would have every right to abandon us, but the persistence of the Lord in Decapolis amongst our people who expressly asked him to leave. Can that not give us hope to plead promises before the Lord? As we look at our friends, as our family, who seem to have so long rejected the gospel, who seem to be no nearer today, and it brings tears to our eyes. Can we not look at the capitalists and take hope again and renew the petition and the passion of our prayers to the Lord for mercy upon them? Even, friends, as some of you here who love the Lord, as you look at yourself And you despair at their ongoing rebellion that lies within. And you wonder, will the Lord cast me off? Can we not learn from the persistence of the Lord and Decapolis to not submit to the lies of Satan? That the Lord will cast off any of his own. But he will be with us still. Oh, friends, what a wonder happened in this place. And it shook the kingdom of Satan. And this kingdom will never recover. It will never be the same again. Because the gospel is on the march. And he has no power to resist it. Any more than he had then. Indeed, far less. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray.